Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 says this. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. I'll read that again. Now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, I just ask and pray today. And I pray, Father, for an impartation. I ask and pray, Lord, that you would help us to rise in faith, Lord God, especially for those that need it today. I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you would know that a couple of weeks ago we started a new series. And the series is called Faith, Hope and Love based out of this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he said, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, The Corinthian church was well known for supernatural power, for seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. In fact, it's to the Corinthians, he talks to them, it's the only only letter where he actually talks about this. He talks to them about the administration of spiritual gifts, because they are a church that was passionate about the power of God which is why it might have been a little bit jarring for them because he writes to them in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. He basically says, now these three remain. These are the three highest priorities for a Christian. These are the three highest priorities for any kind of kingdom culture. He said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Interesting, he doesn't say to them that even power is in the top three. That would have been a little bit jarring for them. That's not to say that power is not important. As a Pentecostal church, we believe power is incredibly important. Uh, It was amazing that actually just a couple of weeks ago, one of our church members who'd been diagnosed with cancer, been prayed for, went to the doctors and got a report, and now they've actually got a clean bill of health. Praise God. Supernaturally delivered. So we believe for that stuff. It's really, really important. But he's actually saying here, these three remain. The three most important things is faith, hope, and love. And our desire is that whatever church service you go to at King's, whatever church campus you go to, wherever it is, people are going to look a little bit different. They're probably going to drive different types of cars. They might have slightly different types of worship styles. But wherever you go, there's going to be three things we believe in that you'll experience at every King's church. Faith, hope, and love. So we've been doing a series on faith, hope, and love. I preached a message recently uh, on those three points. And then uh, last week, Pastor Noah preached a message on love. And today I want to start a two-part message, actually, based on the topic of faith. So I'm going to do one part this week, and then we're going to share a message in a couple of weeks on this topic. And so with that in mind, I actually want to take the bulk of my message from a passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, verse 22 to 31. And it's a very well-known story about the time when Jesus and Peter walked on the water. So it says this in Matthew 14, 22 to 31. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Isn't that funny? It says Jesus made them get into the boat. (laughs) They were fishermen. They could probably tell the storm's brewing. They probably didn't want to get into the boat. Jesus makes them go in the boat, and now there's a wind, and now there's a storm. Imagine some of the disciples looking at each other saying, see, we shouldn't have listened to God. 
We should have just stayed where he told it. We should have stayed where we wanted to. But now they've obeyed God and now there's wind and there's waves. Now verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you a little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Interestingly enough, in this passage of scripture, the Bible said that they were afraid. And one of the reasons why Peter sank was because he was afraid. Jesus said to him when he grabbed him and saved him, he actually said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So what that tells me as a side note is fear is the opposite to faith. That literally we can be in a situation that would naturally make us fearful, but our response actually needs to be different. In fact, Jesus' expectation is that our response would be different. I would have thought he would have said to Peter, good on you, Pete, at least you had a go. That's okay, mate. I understand it's not normal to be able to walk on the water. I understand that you didn't do that. But actually, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus actually rebuked him. And he said, oh, you of little faith. What was he saying? He's saying, you are allowing the fear of your circumstances to stop you fulfilling God's will for your life. And in the same way as Christians, our response should be in the midst of everything that is going on in the world, our response should be different. And that is that our response should not be that we get imbued with fear, but actually that we respond with faith. Even if the winds and the waves do not die down, as Christians, we should be people who respond not automatically to fear, but we should actually respond in faith. Fear is an incredible motivator, but it is not from God. It's almost like it's the devil's anointing. And for us, our response should be in any situation, and not to be silly and not to be, um, not to be ridiculous, but our automatic response to any situation, even if the winds and the waves are contrary, our response should be one of faith. And so I'm going to do a two-part series based on this, a a mini-series within the series, um, and on the topic of faith based on this passage of Scripture. And essentially, it's eight keys to walking by faith, eight keys to walking on water. Now, the context of this Scripture was that Jesus was inviting Peter to do something that was not possible. He was inviting Peter to do something that was out of the ordinary. He was inviting Peter to do something that naturally he should automatically fail. But it was faith that was required to actually do that. As Christians, occasionally in our life, God will ask us to do something that actually causes us to go out of our comfort zones and cause us to be people who do things that in the natural you might actually otherwise fail. That God has called us to sometime in our life walk on water. You know, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you want a safe, comfortable existence, do not become a Christian. I love C.S. Lewis, and he talks about, he had wrote the many books, and he wrote the Narnia Chronicles, and, and he wrote about a character named Aslan. And Aslan was a lion, and he was a type and a representation of Christ. And one of the children actually actually asked one of the animals and said, What's Aslan like? He's a lion. Is he safe? Is he tame? And he said, 
No, he's not safe, but he's good. And in the same way, our God, Christianity is not safe. If you want a safe, if you want a safe life, don't become a Christian. But it's good. And our God is good. And there are times where you have to take steps of faith. So I want to talk to you today. The first four, we'll do the next four next time. But four keys to walking by faith on this, based on this passage, four keys to walking on water. The first one, uh, the first key is this. It says in Matthew 14, 27 to 29, it says, Immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. The first key to actually walking on water, the first key to walking by faith, is actually to get a word of God, get a word from God, get a word from him. It was Jesus' word that enabled him to succeed. In fact, if he didn't get a word from God, he would not have been able to succeed because he needed that word to assure him of that success. Bible says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so what that means is if you're about to do something that's risky, if you're about to step out of the boat, if you're about to do something that otherwise you would otherwise fail, it's important to get a word from God because the word from God will actually guarantee your success. Without that word, Peter surely would have sunk. But because he had a word from God, he was actually able to step out and to walk on the water. If you're going to do something that's really significant, a, really, a real shift in your life or something that's a great departure or something incredibly risky, it's important that you get a word before you do it because otherwise you could be stepping out in presumption. I heard of Dr. David Yongi Cho who was part of the largest church in human history, around a million people in Seoul, Korea, and he was known for his teaching on faith and he was been teaching in church about Peter walking on the water. And so uh, at one time, there was actually a, a flood that happened uh, in, in Korea. And some people from his church, some young people, they said, you know, Peter walked on the water, so we should be able to as well. And so they actually stepped out and went into that rushing, uh, rushing torrent, and they actually passed away. And some people say, well, how come they didn't walk on the water? Didn't they have enough faith? No, it wasn't because they didn't have enough faith. They didn't have a word to do it. Peter had a word from God to actually take that step. Peter was the one who was promised to step out on the water. And so in the same way as Christians, it's really, really important for us that if you're going to take a significant step, if you're going to do something incredibly risky, if you're going to do something that you, might, you would naturally otherwise fail, it's important to get a word from God. That's why as Christians, you can't live by faith without spending time with God. As Christians, we need to be people who spend time with God, time in His Word, because it's in those moments that He can actually speak to us and give us a word. You know, the, uh, you know that there's a thing in the Scripture, and the and best way to describe it is a rhema word, R-H-E-M-A, a rhema word from God. So what that means is that God can take His Word and speak directly to you about something. He can take something He said to someone way back when in the Scripture, but it can come alive as you're reading it, and He can be speaking directly to you about it. 
That's the kind of word that I'm actually talking about. That there are times when you spend time in God's word and he can speak to you directly about something that he actually wants you to do. And that's kind of like the word that you need for that time. In fact, very often, that, and very often that when you get a word like that, that actually denotes the timing of actually doing something. One of the things I've learned is this when discerning the will of God, that actually, first of all, God often moves in your heart. So your heart starts moving in a particular direction. But very often the timing for that thing is often denoted by a word when God gives you that word. I know myself, and this is the principle that Trish and I live by, we've had a number of times when we've taken significant shifts or taken some significant risks, but every single time we've done it, we've waited for a word from God. In fact, that's why this passage of Scripture actually means such a great deal to myself personally. This was actually the Scripture that God gave us when we were actually going, uh, when we moved from Mackay, left our ministry in Mackay to start a Bible college in Brisbane. That when we, we got the opportunity to do so, we had a sense in our heart that God was shifting us and moving us on. But God gave us a word from here, uh, from, from this passage of Scripture. Literally, when Jesus said, come to Peter, it was like it leapt off the page for us. And we knew that we're supposed to go down to Brisbane. When you get a word from God, that's the sign, the guarantee about what, you're, about what you're about to step into. When God speaks to you and gives you a word. If Peter did not receive that promise from Jesus, if he had stepped out of the boat, he would have surely sunk. But he needed that word from God. I know even for myself that when we moved to, uh, to come and become the pastors of Kings, we had an experience like that. You may have heard us talk about how basically for now probably about 25 years, there's been moments where we realise God has been speaking to us about coming to the Gold Coast and coming to Kings basically for about 25 years. But And I remember um, about 2017, I was at a conference and there was a guest speaker at the conference, a man by the name of Martin Steele. Some of you would know Martin. Martin has come and preached at our church. He preached at our church in January last year. And so I was, Martin was preaching and I felt God speak to me to go to Martin's conference in New Zealand, in Auckland. So I bumped into Martin. I said, hey, Martin, I'm going to come to your conference in New Zealand. He says, no worries, Ben. Let us know if you're coming. And, and so, uh, and, and I went and I was just going because I felt God told me to go. And then I, he said to me, he said, listen, if you come and you stay in one of these hotels, uh, we'll make sure that we can ferry you to and from the airport and, and, and to, the, um, to the meetings. And I thought, fantastic. Then when I found out what the hotels were, I uh, realized they were incredibly expensive. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll just do it. God's told me to come and so I'll pay for it and, and that sort of thing. And, and so I was going to the conference and I didn't actually know anyone at the conference. Uh, thankfully, um, I had the opportunity to be, they had a little room that they would set up at mealtimes for pastors and, and give them food, which was great because I had no money to buy any. So I thought, fantastic, I can go into these rooms and, 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 and have food. And, and there's all these pastors from all around New Zealand and none of them I had met before. Now, at the time, I was an itinerant minister. Now, you need to understand something. If you're an itinerant minister, it's difficult because whenever you talk to a pastor of a church, they, have, they get defensive because they think you're trying to get and preach at their church. And so I went to this, I was, you know, in one of this room and I was talking to a guy and he, he says to me, he goes, oh, oh hi, how are you? Uh, what's your name? I said, Ben. And he told me his name and he said, uh, he said where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Brisbane, live in Brisbane in Australia. He goes, oh, great. He goes, what do you do? And I said, oh, look, I'm on itinerant. When I said that, he's like, ah. Oh. And I could see him looking around trying to escape talking to me. And then I said, <laughs> and, and then he said to me, why are you here? Because he's like, why are you here, mate? Are you just trying to, you know, network or something? And, and so I just told him the truth, which was a bit silly. But I said, well, 
because it doesn't make sense to other people. I said, oh, because God told me. And he looks at me, he's like, oh, yeah, God told you, awesome. Hey, look, you need to meet this guy, introduce me to someone else. And then he just walked off. And then I realized by the second session, I was at the table by myself. Uh, no one was coming around talking to me. And I was saying, Lord, why am I even here? You know, you told me to come here, uh, you know, and everyone's a bit wary of me and that sort of thing. And, and then uh, the speakers were a guy named Michael Maiden, who was an international prophet, Bill Johnson from Bethel. And I thought, well, maybe they'll prophesy over me. And, and luckily, I got a seat on the front row, which was awesome. So I made sure I wore a really bright shirt. Um, it's called your prophecy shirt, you know, just to make sure you don't get missed. And I'm on the front row, man, and these guys are ministry. There's thousands of people there, and, and, and I'm on the front row kind of looking at my, you know, pick me. I'm here for a word from God. You know, God's told me to come and that sort of thing. And, and then they would even ask Martin, Martin, who do you want me to prophesy over? And I thought, come on, Martin, I've traveled the furthest. Surely you could. And he didn't say my name. And so they're prophesying over everyone else. And I'm, every session I'm sitting here, like, why, why am I here? I don't know anybody. You know, why have I come? And, and then in one session, there was a young guy preaching. His name's Jedediah Thurner. And he preached. And he, as he preached, God spoke to me. It was like, boom, a lightning bolt. And God just said to me two words, which is twice as many words as what he gave Peter. <laughs> he said, you're moving that's all he said. Remember thinking at the time, I've traveled, spent thousands of dollars to get that word. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to travel to get a word. Sometimes you've got to pay to get a word. That's why you should come to some of our events when we put them on. <laughs> on a Saturday morning, a little bit inconvenient, you never know what God's going to say. That's an aside, praise God. And so... God said, you're moving. At the break, phone rang. Pastor friend of mine named Gary Swenson. He said, Ben, I'm caretaking a church on the Gold Coast called Kings. Can you come and preach? I knew from that moment. And then I must admit, there were times in the first year and a half, I thank God he gave me a word. Because <laughs> the wind and the waves didn't stop for a little while, you know what I'm saying? But I remember back to that time. That word guarantees a success. Amen? Get a word from God. Spend time in his presence. Spend time in his word. Just have the habit of spending time in his word. You'll be amazed. Don't wait till Sunday till you hear the word of God. Spend time in his presence. What, don't even, you don't always have to listen to a podcast every week. You don't need a word from Stephen Furtick every week. You can just get it from the word of God. And as you spend time in God's word, occasionally something will leap off the page. And he'll give you something to get a hold of. First thing is get a word from God. The second thing is this. Says Matthew 14, 29. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. If it was me and I was Peter, I'd say, Hey, John, let's go. And John was like, Uh uh uh. Not me, champ. God wasn't speaking to me about that. He didn't give me that word. He gave you that word. If Peter needed his mates to support him and comfort him to walk on the water, he never would have done it. Because sometimes when you're walking by faith, sometimes you've got to go it alone. Peter had to be willing to go it alone to step out and do what God has called him to do. 
One of the most interesting things I found is that when I know someone has taken a great step of faith that might have been in their business, it might have been in ministry, it might have been in one particular area of their life, there's a moment where literally you realise as someone who might be a friend or a support that there's not a lot you can do for them. That the most we can do is stand, stay in the boat and clap and say, you go for it, go well, step out because you realise that this is their faith journey. And one of the things I have found in life is that there are times where God calls you to step out, that there's no one around you that can help you, that literally if Jesus has spoken directly to you, then you're the person who's got to actually go and do it. In fact, I can honestly say probably one of the greatest growth things that ever happened to me was when I cut the apron strings to some of my friends. That literally when I was, a, uh, when I was you know, first got saved, I had a great group of friends who loved God and they were great strength to me. And I was super reliant upon them for my faith, which was good. And for a few years, that was the case. And then after a few years, God spoke to me and said, you've got to go to Bible college in Sydney by yourself. Didn't know anyone. And my number one thing was, no, I won't go. And I want my friends to come with me. But he wasn't speaking to them. He was speaking to me. I had to be willing to step out myself out of the boat, leave them in the boat in order to go and do what God had called me to do. And in the same way, there are moments, there are times when you're living by faith, when you're stepping out, that you've got to be willing to go it alone. If Jesus has spoken to you, it doesn't mean he had spoken to them. We need to be willing to step out and go it alone. And I don't know who I'm talking to today because I'm harping on this a little bit, but I believe that there's someone here listening to this message and God has told you, you need to take a step of faith in that area. And you're kind of like, well, I'll go if John goes. And it's like, no, no, Peter, Jesus is talking to you. You need to be willing to go it alone. The third thing, that uh, the third key to walking on water, says in Matthew 14, 29, he said, so he said, Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Give me a word. So Jesus gave him a word. One word. Come. If it was me. In a storm, on a boat, I'd be saying, how? What's going to happen? You're going to send some dolphins past? Is this going to turn into a glacier? The problem with that boat as well, it wasn't a rowboat. He couldn't have one foot in the boat and dip his toe in the water. He actually fully, when he stepped out, he stepped out. If it was me, I would say, Jesus, could you give me another confirmation? Send someone else and tell me that you really want me to come. There was no more confirmations. What's going to happen when I come out? What's the end result going to be? Doesn't say. Just gives him one word. And that's all Jesus was willing to give him before he actually, third point, got going. Sometimes you have to get going and then the rest of the thing unfolds. The will of God unfolds in our life. The Bible says that Abraham actually left his father's house, left his comfort zone, went alone to a place that God was going to show him. It wasn't even like 
God took Abraham and he said, this is the place I'm going to give to you. Okay, you've seen it. It looks good. Now I want you to come and tell your parents and then you're going to go, no, no, no. He had to go first and then God was going to show him. I realise in our society, we want every I dotted and every T crossed first. But that's not actually how it works sometimes when you're living by faith. Sometimes you just got to start moving. You got to start going. And as you start moving, the will of God actually unfolds for us. That literally we don't have, God doesn't give us like this massive plan of every step ahead of time. Sometimes we've just got to start taking the step and then he will direct us as we go along. Early church leader, St. Augustine, he says, understanding is the reward of faith. What that means is this, it makes sense later. It doesn't make sense now. I've just taken the step of faith. This has been heaps of times, and I know many of you have done this, where you've literally taken a step of faith in God and then not known what to do next. A friend of mine, a guy by the name of Pastor Mark Verges, pastors one of the largest churches in the world now, uh, about 30,000 people and got campuses in Perth. And, and he just wrote a book, just got released this week. And it was ready, and the title of the book was Ready, Fire, Aim. It wasn't ready, aim, fire. It was ready, fire, aim. His philosophy was this. We're just going to step out and have a go and then it'll make sense later. And in the same way, sometimes that's just got to happen. I remember when we started the Bible College in Brisbane, probably of everything we've done, that was probably the most stress I experienced. Didn't sleep for a year. And I remember that when we started doing that, I I was praying about the opportunity came and that word leapt off the page, come. So we just came, and, then, and so just before moving down, we flew down to that church. There was a Youth Alive tour going on, so we were going to join the Youth Alive tour. And so flew down on a Sunday afternoon to go to the church where the, where the college was going to be based, and got off the plane, got picked up, went to the church service, which was halfway through. Senior pastor's on stage, and he's, telling, and he's talking about the Bible college. As I walk into the room, in through the back, he's on stage, he goes, oh, here he is now. Pastor Ben Naitoko, come on up. I got up on stage and he said, so, anything you need to know about the Bible college? Pastor Ben is here. Talk to him afterwards. I remember thinking at the time, I just got off the plane. I didn't know anything. The senior pastor's wife was on the front row, front row laughing at me because she knew I was being set up. I noticed then that there was a flyer on every, change with, on every chair with my face on it and with my private mobile number on it. Ring Pastor Ben if you want to know what's going on with the college. I had no clue. And so I remember I went out in the foyer, all these people swamped me. Hey, just want to talk to you about the Bible college. You know, we're only starting in six months' time. I want to talk to you about the Bible college, what the fees are and that sort of thing. And I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what's going on. And then this word popped into my head. It was called prospectus. And I said, um, yeah, we're in the process of putting our prospectus together. Uh, so what I'll get you, actually got a pen and paper here. Uh, put your name down. And uh, when our prospectus is ready, I'll contact you and let you know and that sort of thing. And then that week we went on a Youth Alive tour, uh, doing rallies in each city. Went to the first town, it was at Harvey Bay. I remember I'm just sitting down the back. Then the news for the Youth Alive tour come up. It was talking about Planet Shakers College, which is the college I was starting. And they said, uh, so if you want more information about Planet Shakers Bible College, go and see the college principal, Pastor Ben Naitoko, at the Planet Shakers College stand. We didn't have a stand. So, so I went to the tables, I pushed some guys aside. I think I pushed compassion over there and I put, you know, 
And I said, get out of my way. And I got a piece of paper and a pen. People come to me, Pastor Ben, want to talk to you about the college. Yep, no worries, we're in the process. Because uh, the process is started in my head. We're in the process of doing a prospectus. Just give me your details, we'll contact you and that sort of thing. And it was crazy and we started like that and it was probably the greatest faith journey we ever went on. And then it's been going now 16 years and hundreds and hundreds of students have come through, many, many people in ministry. And people say, oh, how'd you do it? You know, where'd you get the vision for it? You know, what was your strategy? What was your plan? He just said, come. And we just got going. And the rest unfolded. The word of the Lord to someone this morning is this. God is not giving you any more confirmations. Get going. Spoke to you. Told you. You got the word. The word's all you need to keep you going. The word's all you need to guarantee the success. Sometimes you just got to get going. And that's really, really hard for really, really smart people who are in control of everything. Because sometimes even you have to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Next one is this. It says in verse 29 of Matthew 14. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. It doesn't say he got out of the boat and sank. It doesn't say that Peter was in the boat and Jesus said, don't be afraid, guys. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Jesus wants to play a prank on him. He's got some angels behind him. He says, boys, get a load of this turkey. I'm God, I can do this. He thinks he can walk on water. Let's play a trick on him. All right, mate, come. (laughs) Watch this, this could be hilarious. Peter comes out, sinks. Jesus like, (laughs) that was a classic. What I've learned about Jesus is he's not an Aussie. He doesn't play pranks on you. He can't lie. So when he says something, it's going to come to pass. So when God gives you a word and you start stepping out, even though the winds and the waves are around and your senses are going crazy and you're thinking to yourself, this should not succeed, this should fail. If God gives you a word, if Jesus gives you a word, get ready to succeed. Come out with an expectation. One of the things I've learned is this. Whenever God wants you to do something, he wants you to win. That's the default position. He's not playing a trick on you. He's not trying to set you up. Yes, you will encounter things you didn't experience. He did not tell Peter that the winds and the waves would stop. There are many times when you're on a faith journey and there's things that happen, you think, man, if I had known this. But you need to understand that when he calls you to walk on the water, he's calling you to succeed. When God gives you a word, that's a guarantee of that success. Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that on the first day of creation, God created light. That's all he created, he created light. But then on the fourth day of creation, he created the greater and the lesser lights, which is the sun, the moon, and the stars. So watch this. God creates light on the first day, but doesn't create the sun till the fourth day. Now that can't happen. 
That's not scientifically possible. But it doesn't matter. If God tells you he's going to do something, it's going to come to pass. And in the same way, if God is calling you to do something, to step out, be a person of faith, he hasn't called you to fail. He hasn't called you to, uh, he hasn't called you, uh, to, to not do or succeed in that thing. When God calls you to do something and calls you to step out, he calls you to succeed. He wouldn't tell him to walk on the water if he wasn't going to walk on the water. You know, the antidote, the reason why he didn't complete his mission was because of fear. Fear repels faith. That's why at a time like this, I think it's important for us to lift our eyes onto Jesus. Winds and waves all around us. They're saying this. They're saying that. What's going to happen? This isn't dying down. What's going on? Just keep your eyes fixed on Him. Keep walking by faith. And you'll be amazed. You'll get to the other side. You know, if they hadn't listened to Jesus in the first place, they wouldn't have been as worried. Because at the beginning of the journey, He says, get in the boat, you're going to the other side. Made a promise in the beginning. He told them that's what was going to happen. Yet because of the circumstances, because of the winds and the waves, you know, it's interesting. The Bible says as soon as Jesus got in the boat with Peter, the winds and the waves stopped. You know what that tells me? It was more than a natural occurrence. It was from the enemy to stop God's people from walking by faith. And in the same way, we are not a people who shrink back. This is not a time where we keep our faith to ourselves. This is not a time when we're insecure about our faith. This is the perfect opportunity to just keep advancing, keep moving forward, keep expanding, keep on walking. In the midst of the winds of the waves, eyes fixed on Jesus, because eventually we'll get to the other side. Amen? That is the God that we serve. And I believe there's some people in this place where I feel God has used this message to encourage you to step. This is like the final confirmation for some of you. I don't know if it's in your business. I don't know if it's in your workplace. I don't know what it is. But I sense there's some people here that God has been saying, you've been prompted, it's been, he's been telling you to come. And today it's like solidified in your heart. If that is you, I want to pray for you. And pray that when you leave this place, you'll remember that word. It's easy to remember the promise from God when you're in the boat. But you need to be reminded when you're walking on the water. And in the same way, I just get a sense of some people, I don't, know, I don't know about what it is at all. But God has spoken to some people about a step. And you've been waiting for more information. And the word of the Lord is there's no more information and there's no more confirmation. Just got to step out. And so if that's you, just going to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. If you're saying that's me, I feel like God has called me to take a step. Take a step in a direction that's risky. Take a step in a direction that if he's not with me, we're going to lose. If that is you, right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. God's telling me to take this particular step. And I need, I want that word to be confirmed in my heart. Father, I pray right now for those people with their hands raised. And I thank you, Lord, we work by, walk by faith and not by sight. And I just ask and pray, Father, for every single person with their hand raised, that you would just help them, Lord God, to take those steps of faith as you tell them. I thank you, Lord God, that on the other side, 
they're going to succeed and you're going to get all the glory. And I just ask and pray that you would be with them. Seal this in their heart today, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand to your feet? Lift your hands to heaven. I want to pray for you. The Apostle Paul said these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And remember what we said at the start of this series. Faith is an action. Faith is not just believing. Faith is inaction. And so my prayer is that every single one of us will be people of faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single person. And I pray, Lord, you help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to be people, Lord God, who take steps of faith, Lord God. And I thank you that for many, Lord, they're going to see incredible, miraculous things that will be a testimony of what you've done in their life and through them. I thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your hands raised. We're going to worship God before we close. He's an awesome God. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.